Amen. What I want to talk about this morning is priorities of the faith. Priorities of the faith. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy is the last letter that the Apostle Paul would write before he would be executed for his faith in Christ. He was in prison and the Emperor Nero was severely persecuting believers because he was trying to stop the spread of Christianity. In this letter to Timothy, Paul refers to him as a dear son. As Paul had been a spiritual mentor and a spiritual father to him. And in this letter, Paul gives Timothy some priorities of the faith that I believe are relevant for us today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. If you're looking it up electronically, it's the NIV. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will, all, who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. There's a lot more in this chapter. I have preached more of this chapter, but I'm going to stop right there today. Number one, be strong. Be strong. Everybody say strong. 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 Be strong. The word strong in verse 1 means really the ability to withstand great force or pressure. It has to be strong. Now, I work for a company that makes anchors. And if you don't know what anchors is, they're kind of like bolts. They go into concrete and they hold things, fasten things to the concrete. And they do testing on those bolts to know how much force and how much pressure they can withstand and they can, and they can take. I've talked with engineers. We have engineers on staff who are familiar with the testing. And there are what are called allowable loads and there are ultimate loads. Allowable means that there's a safety factor built into that. And if you say, um, if you have a bolt and you say, well, this bolt can withstand a thousand pounds of pressure, and there's a safety factor built into there, and you say the a thousand pounds means it takes a thousand pounds. If you say that bolt's going to hold a thousand pounds, you can hang a thousand pounds from it and it'll hold. And the bolts can hold a thousand pounds, it's allowable, which means that there's a safety factor built into there, which means that there's another table over here that says, 
the ultimate or the fail point is whatever the factor is. And sometimes it's eight times. And so they say, well, there's a safety factor of eight to one built into there. So really that boat will hold up to 8,000 pounds. But we're going to be on the safe side and say it's 1,000 pounds. So you know there's 1,000 pounds. And the engineer says, I'm going to build on the allowable because I know that it's not even close. And can I tell you that we have a Savior named Jesus Christ that allows us to be strong and there's only so much pressure that He allows and that there's a safety factor built into that and His name is Jesus. He is our safety factor. Amen. He is the one that stands between us and failure and we're able to be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Able to withstand great force or pressure. Timothy was in Ephesus when Paul wrote this. And I believe this is a direct reminder of Paul, what Paul had written earlier in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. You're probably familiar with the scripture. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. If there's ever a time that we must be strong in our faith, that time is today. There, are, there is pressure and there are forces that are trying to take you down in your faith in Jesus Christ. There are many who walk away from the faith. There are many who have said, well, it's just too much. I can't do it anymore. And I'm not going to pretend to be a Christian. And I understand that because there was a period of time in my life when I walked away from my faith in Christ, not really saying that I don't believe anymore, but I said, I'm not going to pretend to be a Christian when I'm living a life that's not. And I wouldn't go to church because I didn't want the Holy Spirit to convict me. And God has a sense of humor because when the Holy Spirit came upon me, I wasn't even anywhere near a church. But He knows how to reach us. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. The enemy of your soul is trying to put great pressure and great force upon you at every opportunity. But we must be strong. How can we do that? I'm glad you asked. If you look at verse number 1, verse number 1 of our text goes on to say that we should be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. In the grace that is in Jesus Christ, the unmerited favor of God the Father in Jesus we have because of our faith in Him. Our continued faith in Him allows us to walk in the grace, the unmerited favor, and then we can remain strong. What does that mean? That means if we, have, if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we have unmerited favor. We have favor from God that we have because we... We ask Him to be Lord and Savior of our life, and He does that. And we have the favor of God because one scripture says we are joint heirs with Christ. We have the favor of God. We've realized the, the, uh, uh, the, the abundance of God, the blessing of God, as long as we put our faith in Him. 
We must be strong. And we walk in that unmerited favor. But the problem many people have is they choose not to be strong and they choose to go this way. And then they walk. It's like, here's the path of unmerited favor of the Lord. And sometimes something happens and somebody says, I think I want to go over here. But the unmerited favor of the Lord is here because this is the path of faith. And the devil wants to try to try your faith. Try to pull you away. That's his job. That's what he does. We can remain strong as long as our faith is continually pointed toward him. Verse 2 of our text continues with, And all the things you have heard me say. And all the things you have heard me say. Although Paul said a lot of things, he's reminding Timothy that there's one thing that stands out in his previous letter to this young man of the faith. In 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, nobody wants to fight. I mean, I went to school with a couple of guys that probably would rather fight. And uh, I, I, I tangled with one of them one time, and we both got in trouble. I know that's hard to believe, but we, when you're in eighth grade and you have, you know, all these changes that are going on and your emotions and all that kind of stuff and, and just, uh, and, you know, wanting to prove who's who and you're just tired of somebody messing with you and anyway, but, um, but nobody really wants to fight. But he says, all the things you've heard me say, fight the good fight of faith, take hold on eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Even though we don't want to fight, we know that we're going to fight because Satan's a bully. He does everything he can to try to draw us in How many of you have ever said, you know, you've thought, you know, you could do a lot of things to me, but when you do something to my kids, I mean, that kind of fight that just comes up and you're like, you know, you're not going to mess with me because my big brother's Jesus. He's my savior and I've got authority. I will fight with you, devil, because you're bringing it on and I'm not going to stand for it. Fight the good fight. It is a good fight because we are well equipped to fight the fight. Sometimes we may feel like we've been beaten down, we've been just downtrodden, but we have to remind ourselves of what the Word says. Fight the good fight of faith. And here in the next sentence he says, Take hold of eternal life, of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What does that really mean? It doesn't, you know, a lot of people equate salvation to, I went to the altar and I got saved and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, which is absolutely true. But when you... When you say, that was the salvation that I received. No, the salvation you received is each and every day. And what Paul is reminding Timothy is, take hold of your salvation, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Hold on to your relationship with Jesus Christ for everything you've got. Mm -hmm. And when you 
come against the enemy, he will be the one that will turn tail and run the other way. But if we don't grab hold of our salvation, grab hold of Jesus, hold on to him, then when the devil comes and we, we're like, what do I do? What do I do? The scripture tells you, grab hold of your salvation, your relationship. Run to Jesus. Keep him close all the time. It's kind of like a little kid. He gets scared and he runs back behind his mom or his dad, you know. Because I know I'm safe here. And it's okay. See, some people, they equate perception of others with their weakness and inabilities. They, they equate that to failure and it causes them to miss out with the Lord and what he wants to do. What do I mean by that? Is I've seen so many times there have been people that have had difficulties and had crisis and had troubles. And they feel like, well, I don't want to ask for prayer again because I feel like I'm always asking for prayer. But can I tell you that sometimes there's a season in your life where the enemy is just trying to do everything he can and there may be times when you go an extended period of time and the enemy may not bash you every day, but there are seasons when he comes after you and he comes after you with great force and great vengeance. And he does it and it just seems like he never lets up. I have prayed with people and then they, they come down the next week for prayer. They've called me for prayer and they, they, they've done this, that. And I told them, I said, don't ever be embarrassed to ask for prayer. Amen. Don't ever be. If you've got to come up every week to have prayer, come up every week. If you've got to come to the altar and pray, come to the altar and pray. If it's every time we come to church, do it every time we come to church and we will help you, encourage you, and pray with you. If you've got to ride that altar to get to heaven, then just saddle it up and ride it on because it's okay. It's all right. But there are seasons where He comes at us. But we have to grab on to the salvation that He has. That we, made, that we made in our good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The next point in the last part of verse 2 of our text says, Seek out reliable people. How many know reliable people? How many know spiritually reliable people? There are, there's a difference between just a reliable person and somebody who's spiritually reliable. How many know people who are not reliable? And, and they say, well... Yeah, I'll do this and I'll be there at a such and so time. It reminds me when we were youth pastors. <clears throat> we, had, we had teenagers that would, uh, uh, you know, we used to work the concession stands at ORU as a fundraiser for the church and uh, it, it was a great benefit to us. And so what we would do is we needed eight people to work a concession stand unless it was a really, really busy time. You could get by with six if it wasn't a busy event, but you needed eight and sometimes a few more if it was a sellout crowd. And we would volunteer our time and work at the concession stands at ORU. And the food service company would then give a check to the church for what we did. And we used that as a fundraiser for our departments. And so I remember asking one girl because they would contact our associate pastor and say, we need people on these dates. Can you come? 
And if we didn't, then they went to somebody else. And they really didn't want to tell them no or no too many times because if you do that over and over again, they'll stop coming and then we'll stop having our source of funding. And so I remember I was trying to get some people for the, uh, the time slot. And I asked this one girl, we're going to be working this one particular day. Can you come? And she says, well, and this was like, you know, we, we can have later. And she says, well, I don't know what I'm going to be doing on that day. <laughs> and I said, if you tell me you're going to be working at the concession stand at ORU, you're going to be doing that that day. And what she meant was, I want to wait and see. And then when that day comes up, I want to pick the best thing that I want to do. Yeah. I want to weigh out all my options. So I wouldn't, wouldn't have considered her necessarily the most reliable right. for that. Um, then the uh, Royal Rangers guy, he came to me and he was having trouble finding enough people to work. And he asked me, would you come and work with us and help us? And I said, sure, what day? And he said, yeah. And so uh, I, I wrote it down, marked it down, and uh, then he came to me, you know, just a few days before. He said, I'm just checking back with you make sure you're still coming. It's like, yeah, I told you I'd be there. I'll be there. I mean, that's, that's it. I'll, I will be there. And um, because obviously he'd had the same kind of thing. Seek out reliable people. It says, who, are also, who all, will also be qualified to teach others. The word qualified is from the Greek word hikonai. Now, I'm glad, I, I bet you're more enriched for knowing that. Everybody say hikonai. Yeah, H-I-K-A-N-O-I, hikonai. Say it again, hikonai. Now, you can tell everybody you, knew, you found out a new word, hikonai. You can say, I'm Hikoni, I'm qualified. Qualified, which means large, competent, sufficient, and adequate. It means those things. So Paul's instruction was to seek out those who are and would become people of faith that would share the gospel. Seek out people of faith that would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. A spiritual leader, get this, is not qualified by gifts and knowledge, but also worthy by character and lifestyle. Those are the ones that we should seek out. We need to seek out people who have the character and the lifestyle of Christ. Seek out those people to surround ourselves with so that we can be more effective in the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that we can do that, because that is really what we're supposed to do. The priorities of the faith. Number three is join in suffering or hardship. And everybody's like, yes, sign me up. Man, I just want to suffer for the... Now I've heard people misuse, oh, I'm just suffering for the cause of Christ, you know, which was nothing to do with what really it means. Verse 3 says, join me in suffering. I don't believe for a moment that Paul is saying that we should seek out hardship or persecution. That I'm going to see how much I can do without, how, how, uh, how I can suffer for the cause of Christ. I'm going to 
I'm going to just do that. May I tell you that if you, if you hold on to your profession of faith, like the scripture told us to do, hold on to your relationship with Jesus, persecution and hardship will find you. That will happen. We should recognize that they will come. And when they come, we should not be afraid to endure these situations. In other words, don't stop whatever you're doing for the kingdom just because life seems to get difficult or it seems unbearable. These persecutions are happening for a reason. The devil is trying to stop you from whatever it is you're trying to do. And that's really what, when, when, when it happens, mostly, is you're doing something for the cause of Christ and then the devil, the enemy of your soul, will try to bring in something to cause you to be distracted or to do something else. And then before long, you think, oh yeah, wasn't I doing something in this area and something else happened? He can use situations. He can use other people. He can use your own thoughts. He can do all kinds of stuff to kind of keep, to try to keep you from doing that. He can cause perilous things to happen. He can cause sorrow. He can cause grief to overtake you. But can I tell you this morning that when those things happen, you will be able to endure it because you are strong in your faith in Jesus Christ. And you will be able to join in the suffering of the hardship and not let the suffering of the hardships cause you to stop doing what you're doing for the cause of Christ. We're all going to endure hardships and persecution. But you're almost like a magnet for it when you are trying to step out for the Lord. Yeah. It's been said one time when somebody said, well, I never have any hardship or persecution. And somebody told them, well, you need to get saved. I mean, you need to, you need to start doing something. If the devil never bothers you, then maybe you're never bothering the devil. If you never have any struggles in your faith, then maybe you need to spend some more time in the Word, spend some more time praying to the Lord and asking Him what you should be doing and we all should be doing. Because the Scripture says that we will be judged according to what we say. No. What does it say? According to what we do. We can think and analyze all the time. And I... I am an analyzer. Annette's an analyzer. She's a critical thinker. She, she's like way higher than me as far as analyzing stuff. I'm a planner. I like to plan things out. But I'm also a procrastinator, which is not a good combination. Which means that I can be planning and planning and planning and planning and never do anything. But there comes a point where you just have to say, we have to do something for the cause of Christ. We can't just think about it anymore. There are people that are going to hell and they need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. That's why we are working in our outreach. That's why last week when we met in our outreach meeting, we talked about doing a special event for children once a month that we could get them to come to, how we can reach them for the cause of Christ because they so desperately need to hear the message. Everyone needs to hear it, but the children especially. 
they do need to hear it because they hear it so little in many other places. Second Timothy 2, 8, and 9 says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. And then he said, For which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Paul is talking about how he's chained up even like a criminal. But he makes this bold statement and he said, But God's word is not chained. God's word is not chained. In other words, he says, I am suffering because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, this is my gospel, my sharing. The gospel is the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. He said, this is the good news that I've been sharing. But he says, even to the point of being chained, I didn't renounce my faith. I didn't run the other way. I didn't stop sharing. I, I, I went ahead and I was chained because of where, where I stand and what, I, what I've decided to do for the cause of Christ like a criminal. But he makes the profound statement that God's word is not chained, which means that even though hardships come to us, what we have done for the kingdom of God in spreading the gospel and the good news of the message, the word of God will go forth and it will outlive anything that we do. And he said, you might can chain me up, but you will not and cannot chain the word of God because it is endless. It will go forward. So the enemy of your soul may wreak havoc in your life, but when you put the Word of God out there, He can't stop that. He might can hinder you in some measure or form, but He cannot hinder the Word of God because the Word of God can't be stopped. One Scripture says that the Word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which pleases the Lord. It It will go forward always and it will reach its intended target. Amen. (laughs) And the last point is don't get entangled. Don't get entangled. I call my grandmother on the way home from work most of the time, and I have these earbuds that are in the console of the car and usually while I'm sitting at the stop sign or waiting to get on the highway and I'm stopped, I get this out and now when I put this thing up, it's I wrap it like this and I put it in there. When I get it out, it's like this, all knotted up, and then I have to kind of sit here and sort through it and this, you know. I mean, did you have to do that when, with the Christmas lights? Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to... They're everywhere, and it just seems crazy but entanglements can be hard to work through in verse 4 of our text it says no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer the couple of definitions that I want to give you you probably know them but I like to look things up a soldier is one, enga- one engaged in military service. Now, you guys knew that. That's not a secret. 
and especially in the army. May I tell you that we are soldiers in the army of God and we are engaged in His military service, in the service of His campaigns that He has specified in His Word that He wants us to do. No other thing that we do will be as important as serving Jesus Christ. The word entangle means to wrap or to twist together, to interweave or ensnare. In my Bible time this morning, it was about King Solomon. And King Solomon started out great. But what I was going over this morning was how in later in his life he became entangled and ensnared because of his propensity for women and had many wives. And the scripture says that he built idols and places for worship for his wives because that's what they wanted. And he knew better. He knew he shouldn't have done that, but he started getting himself entangled. And he was a long way from where he started because he started the entanglements years ago and it caused them to be to the place. Now, could he have said, I'm going to stop this right now? Yes, he could have. But he was so entangled. So at the first sign of entanglement, that should be a clue because... One little entanglement. Oh, it seems harmless, maybe. But it grows. If you've ever had to weed a garden, or if you've ever had brush or something growing up along a fence line, and little vines, and you know that if you don't cut them down, if you try to a year from now, it will take you a lot longer to do so. To wrap or twist together, to inter interweave or ensnare. A civilian is one not on active duty in the armed service. And then affairs, it says no one gets entangled in civilian affairs, is commercial, professional, public, or, or personal business. So those that context. What the scripture is really saying is that because we are soldiers in the army of God serving Jesus Christ, we are not to entangle or intertwine ourselves in our lives' activities, personal or business of others who are not in the army of God or even our own to the point of immersion. I want to clarify that. There's nothing wrong with leisure. There's nothing wrong with hobby. There's nothing wrong with business. There's nothing wrong with being friends with people who are. But when those things become so consuming in our lives that it becomes more than our relationship with the Lord, we get entangled over here and then pretty soon, oh, friend of mine, let's go to the lake. Oh, well, I go to church on Sundays. I'm not going to go. Oh, you're just a stick in the mud. Now, I really like to go to church. Now, if you want to go on a Saturday, I'll go. Is there anything wrong with going to the lake? 
Is there anything wrong with going on Sunday? Not necessarily. Everyone should have rest and relaxation. And can I shock you this morning that there have been times when we have not been here and we've been out of town and on a Sunday we haven't been in church? Imagine that. A pastor not going to church on a Sunday. I don't think the sky's going to open up and the Lord's <laughs> going to strike me dead. <coughs> but if I begin saying, well, you know, hey, you came with me that last weekend. Can you come with me this weekend? And pretty soon... We're doing this three, four times a year. And pretty soon we're doing it once a month. And pretty soon we're doing it every other weekend. And pretty soon we're entangled here. And then the things of God really kind of get left out because of the entanglement. Nothing wrong with the activity, but with the level of involvement that we have. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord. The priorities of our faith should be aligned with the priorities of the scripture and everything in the Bible. We are designed to work for the Lord while we're here. Oh, well, I just want to identify with the church. If that's the way you want to live your life, then that's between you and God. But if you really want to sell out, well, I really can't do much. What can you do? What should you do? Well, you come see me and we'll talk. Or better yet, talk to the Lord. Because the Lord may lay something upon your heart. Well, the Lord never speaks to me. His word is full of him speaking. He's doing it this morning. When we immerse ourselves in civilian affairs, things that have no connection or impact with God or our faith, then our priorities of the faith, of our faith, have been misdirected. And while we interact and we're involved and we have to pay attention to these activities, we must not allow, we must not be drawn away from the service to our Lord Jesus Christ, our commanding officer. And the last part of verse 4 says, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Our goal should be to please the Lord. While I was preparing for this message, it's an old, old song that I heard when I was little. And some of you who have been around church a long time, you'll probably recognize it. And it says, I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. I want my life to be what He'd have it be. And when I reach that great eternity... I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. How many of you knew that song? Yeah. Oh, wow. Five of you. Six of you. That's great. Our goal should be to please the Lord when we make Jesus Lord of our lives and say, Look, you're in control. I will follow you. Don't ever let anything or anyone come between you and your relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Remember where he brought you from. You've come too far to turn back. Now, Jesus is your number one priority and your commanding officer. I want to stand before him and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. And I hope that you do as well. So again, be strong. Seek out reliable people. Join in suffering or hardship. 
and don't get entangled. Those, I think, are priorities of the faith that we should all have. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the word and for your Holy Spirit touching through our lives. I pray, Lord, that we will have these priorities and others perhaps that you give us as we put you first and keep you first and everything that the enemy of our soul tries to do to distract us and move us the other direction that we will just stand and say, I will not be moved in my faith in the Lord and I will hold fast to you. I ask, Lord, that you will just touch us right now as we recommit our lives and our purpose to you as a soldier in the army of the Lord. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.